You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Pegasus may have appeared in Pakistan. Legion Loader packs in six bits of malware in one hornet's nest campaign. Someone may have hacked Bank of England press releases to give them a few seconds advantage in high-speed trading. Frankfurt in the German land of Hessen is clearing its networks of an Emotet infection. Some seasonal topical scams are circulating. And what would Clippy do? From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Friday, December 20th, 2019. The Guardian reports that Pegasus spyware, the intercept tool produced and sold by NSO Group, has been found in the phones of several senior officials in Pakistan's defense and intelligence services. The infestation apparently took advantage of the same weaknesses in WhatsApp that enabled Pegasus to be installed in devices belonging to journalists and activists in India. The Indian cases appear to have been potentially instances of domestic surveillance. Their discovery prompted a public scandal and parliamentary inquiries in India. The Pakistani case seems, the Guardian says, to represent state-on-state espionage. Pakistani diplomatic missions the Guardian contacted had no comment on the reports. Deep Instinct's dissection of Legion Loader, which we saw yesterday, displays an impressive mix of bad things. ZDNet calls Legion Loader a grab bag, including, as it does, information-stealing Trojans, a remote backdoor, a cryptojacker, and a cryptocurrency stealer. In all, Legion Loader packs at least six, count them, six, varieties of badness in that grab bag. The three information-stealing Trojans are VDAR, which specializes in culling personal information, including screenshots and data that may be stored in two-factor authentication software. The second Trojan is Predator the Thief, which not only steals data but can pull images from the infected machine's camera. And the third Trojan is the new powerful and customizable Raccoon Stealer. In addition to these three Trojans, Legion Loader installs a remote desktop protocol-based backdoor to give the hoods running the campaign the ability to return, re-attack, and stage new malware. The last two malicious programs bundled both have an interest in cryptocurrency, One is a PowerShell-based cryptocurrency stealer that prospects and loots any altcoin wallets it finds. The second is a cryptojacker, a cryptocurrency miner that uses the victim machine to mine for its own coin. 
It's also being used in a high-volume campaign, which Deep Instinct calls Hornet's Nest, in view of the swarm of malicious code that arrives with Legion Loader. That said, it's still unclear how the malware is being spread and what infection vectors are being used. None of the hornets in this particular nest are particularly sophisticated or novel. Indeed, they can be found traded in various dark web markets and represent commodity malware. It looks very much like a dropper-for-hire campaign, and Deep Instinct thinks Legion Loader is under active development as its masters improve their wares. Signs in the code, Deep Instinct says in their report, point to the author or authors of Legion Loader as being Russian-speaking coders. These are, in all likelihood, criminals as opposed to intelligence or security services. And while Hornet's Nest is a swarm of commodities, it should nevertheless not be underestimated. Sometimes quantity has a quality all its own, and Legion Loader delivers quantity. Britain's Financial Conduct Authority is investigating a possible case of eavesdropping on Bank of England press conferences. High-speed traders are thought to have hacked access to the press conferences slightly before they became publicly available, and this would have given them material information a few seconds early, which can be, as Law 360 points out, a considerable advantage in trading. The city of Frankfurt, a German and European financial hub, shut down its municipal networks after they were infected with Emotet, ZDNet reports. The city is in the process of recovery. Emotet can be used to deliver a variety of other infections, and recently it's been associated with ransomware attacks. There are a number of topical pop culture and current events-themed spam campaigns in progress, as you'd expect at this time of year. Okay, first of all, as Ms. Swift would probably say, ZDNet reports that Taylor Swift images have been found to conceal cryptojackers. Oh, barf. Since it's Swiftmas, we should have seen that one coming. Totes. There are a lot of dodgy holiday e-cards in circulation, including hokey invites to office parties. There are also bogus season's greetings purporting to be from climate activist Greta Thunberg, which are no doubt intended to appeal to the naive, people thrilled to click before they reflect that Miss Thunberg is unlikely to have actually emailed them. Proofpoint warns that these particular greetings have been serving up Emotet, piping hot. And of course, there's the new Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker. Have you seen it? Anywho, PC Mag and lots of other media outlets are saying that phony Rise of Skywalker files are carrying malware, that's not only the obvious come-on offers of pirated copies, which anyone should, of course, steer clear of, but also some innocent-appearing trailers. Reach out with your feelings and discern the stuff that's no good for you. Otherwise, the malware will be with you. Always. And finally, the question of what operating system Russian President Putin really has on his personal machine remains very much up in the air. Could it really be Windows XP, or is this some elaborate disinformation campaign? It's tough for Americans to tell. In matters Russian, we feel like a nation of poker players up against a nation of chess players. Both have their strengths, but you're not playing the same game. On the one hand, you have quick estimation odds and willingness to take a risk and trust your luck. On the other, you're negotiating a complex but deterministic system where luck never plays a part. But over in the UK, Naked Security is asking the really important question, if Mr. Putin is really using XP... Is he also using an older version of Office, complete with Clippy, the helpful anthropomorphic paperclip? 
Naked Security asks, is Clippy telling the Kremlin, it looks like you're trying to destabilize another country's democratic process using an army of fake social media accounts. Would you like help? Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Craig Williams. He's the director of Talos Outreach at Cisco. Uh, Craig, it's always great to have you back. Um, we wanted to take a chance to uh, take a look back. Uh, you all recently published your Talos Vulnerability Discovery Year in Review, looking back at 2019. Take us through what are some of the highlights here? Well, so every year our vulnerability research team decides that they're going to target certain things, right? And their overall goal is to find vulnerabilities and software that we use every day, right? And so that can include desktop software, office software, uh, and, and everything in between, right? Anything from your thermostat to your laptop to your 3D printer, potentially. We did have a really interesting finding this year and that this was the first year where we had more vulnerabilities discovered in ICS platforms than non-ICS platforms. And, and so what that means is basically, uh, we, you know, when we started looking at IoT devices, we found lots of issues. I know there's uh, the pessimists out there, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> one or two, yeah. Yeah, you know how the internet is. Everybody's mostly positive. <laughs> um, but there might be people out there who would think that, hey, well, that means IoT devices aren't secure. You know, I saw that newspaper article about the Ring doorbell getting hacked, and therefore I, I don't want one. And You know the whole song and dance. But sure. I, I think this is actually a positive thing, right? When I look at this hmm. and I think about the way that software works, you know, the fact that all software has bugs, right? It's the nature of the beast. Basically, what it means is that, you know, IoT companies are taking software more seriously. They're looking for issues. Of course, they're finding issues, right? 
if you look at any piece of software, you're going to find issues. What we can say here is that we found issues. We worked with the vendors to address them. Their maturity model is improving. And I think what we're seeing are definite steps in the right direction. So we were surprised and we were very pleased with how it turned out. Hmm. So really reflecting, uh, I don't know, a maturation of the ecosystem overall? I think so. I think that's a great way to think about it. You know, you know, one of the jokes we used to tell was that IoT was stuck in the 80s, or maybe if you wanted to be generous, early 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, and the reason we say that, you know, it's tongue in cheek, but the reason we would say that is because you would see vendors, when you would report a security issue, deny that it was an issue. Or they would say, well, that's not you know, feasible. No one's going to connect that to the internet. And Mm. it's like, bro, have you seen the internet? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I I think those realities, those denials that used to come in to try and like basically not fix things have gone out the window. People are realizing that, yes, you know what? Local devices can be targeted. Even if it's not accessible to the internet, it's still a serious issue because someone could be compromised behind it. Think about it, right? Like you don't want to have a refrigerator that you can get remote code execution on through, say, uh, you know, some sort of Linux overflow vulnerability inside of a Starbucks because somebody could walk into the Starbucks, scan the network. They don't know it's a refrigerator. They see, you know, what looks like potentially a low end Linux box. It's very old. It's unpatched. It gets exploited. And then all of a sudden they control the refrigeration unit for that store. And, you know, all kinds of nefarious things can happen. And so I think things like that, stories like devices and things being held for ransom are what's helped push this along, right? And I think with any industry, we certainly saw growing pains, right? We, mm. we certainly had our share. I, I think the record holder for Voldev uh, time to patch is held by a certain IoT vendor. Now, I'm happy to say that the issue was fixed, but I think what we're seeing here has taken it from that original vulnerability we found years ago to a place now where not only are IoT and ICS vulnerabilities something we find, but we routinely find, and we routinely work with vendors to get them fixed. So I I think overall, it's a very positive message. It's saying that the vendors are working with us. They understand security. They're not perfect, right? Nobody ever is, but they're taking great steps and they're on the right path. And I think it's it's an awesome outlook for 2020. Give me some insights here. In your publication here, you group together IoT and ICS. And obviously, IoT is Internet of Things. ICS is industrial control <laughs> systems. I guess in my mind, my initial reaction when I hear IoT, I tend to think toward consumer devices. And I don't think of ICS stuff as being consumer devices. Um, what's the rationale here for, for lumping them together? It's a little bit like debating politics. Right. right, There's there's definitely valid views on both sides. Um, Now, the reason we lump it together is because when you look at it from a device perspective, from a hardware perspective, from a software perspective, they're almost always the same. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, The equipment of my TV is going to be the equipment in any potential industrial display or at least very similar to it. The software stack is going to be very similar to it. The open source mm-hmm. libraries used are going to be the same. Uh, you know, it's almost always going to be Linux BusyBox based install, running probably the exact same protocols or very similar protocols. And and so just for simplicity's sake, we tend to lump them together. All right. Well, the report is uh, Talos Vulnerability Discovery Year in Review for 2019. Craig Williams, thanks for joining us. Thank you. 
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. My guest today is Bob Ackerman. He's managing director and founder of Allegis Cyber Capital, an early stage venture capital firm. Prior to starting Allegis Cyber Capital, Bob was the president and CEO of Unisoft Systems, a global leading Unix systems house, and founder and chairman of InfoGear Technology Corporation, a pioneer in the original integration of web and telephony technology. Full disclosure, he is also among the leadership team at Datatribe, which is an investor in the CyberWire. Our conversation focuses on his insights on where VC funding for cyber is heading in the coming year. Well, I think there's a there's a growing appreciation for a number of aspects of the cyber environment from an investor's perspective. I think number one, you know, we've all witnessed sort of a massive influx of capital into the cyber innovation ecosystem. I think there is concern today uh, that the sector may be overcapitalized, overinvested in. I think that's probably a legitimate concern. So I think investors are becoming more discerning. Uh, as they look at the cybersecurity marketplace. So looking forward to the year ahead, what areas within cyber have your attention? What has your gaze? Well, I think one of the one of the things that I'm spending a fair amount of t- attention on is is how do we get better at managing? You know, so much of what we do today is is basically a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, you know, we do the best we can. We deploy as many tools and technologies as we can to secure our infrastructure, to secure our data. Um, but it, sometimes it reminds me a bit of whack-a-mole, um, mm. you know, just trying to stay ahead of the evolving threat landscape. And I think uh, we've taken that approach out of necessity as we try to catch up with the various threat vectors. But I think we need to transition to a more holistic view of cyber risk. Uh, and we need to manage cyber as a risk type, and we need to get better tools and better technologies to understand our exposure. With all all of the pitches that you see, and and you see a lot of pitches, um, is there a pattern? Or are there things that that make people stand out from the crowd? Things that draw your attention and, and make you want to dig in and take a closer look? Cyber is not something that you can pick up along the way. You know, cyber is something where you have to have a solid foundation upon which to build if you're really going to do innovative things. You know, if you if you look at our playbook, uh, that reflects itself uh, in our bias towards engineers coming out of the intelligence community, uh, either deep data science engineers coming out of the intelligence community uh, or uh, former offensive engineers coming out of the intelligence community. So if I go back to your question about when we're being pitched by entrepreneurs, we parse very, very quickly based on folks that have got a career of domain expertise and those that don't. And so we select uh, for entrepreneurs that have spent their careers in cybersecurity. That's Bob Ackerman from Allegis Cyber Capital.
And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.